I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Great to be back with you again. And we often talk on the show about where kind of the current education system in terms of content fits in with the reality of what is probably needed for our children, whether that's financial future, business acumen, and just understanding what real life skills are going to be needed for for many people going into their later life. So today I'm delighted to be chatting to Lila Woolrend. And she's a best-selling author, business owner, investor, and homeschooling mum who helps other families learn how to have more financial freedom, time freedom, and location freedom. Now, this is a fascinating conversation about how investing and how working in business and financial freedom with their two children fits in, how that works in terms of their understanding about what education is, and of course, how that fits in from a homeschooling point of view, and what that freedom, both in terms of financial time and location, looks like in a real practical sense. So I really hope you enjoy this absolutely amazing conversation with Lila Walland. Hi, Lala. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. It's always great to chat to people from across the pond, as it were, um, but always great when people have got a different take on what learning is, what family relationships are, how that fits into education, and I think also the the world at large. I mean, one of the things which we're going through at the moment is um, our youngest is going through the exam process, and of course, everything's very focused around that, both from the emotional support as well as also the academic support. But the amount of stuff that she seems to have to learn, which we sort of know may not be quite as relevant um, tomorrow once the exams are over as it is today. Whereas I think some of the things that you're talking about, you know, that sort of real life understanding of how real education and, and certainly from a financial point of view can really help people is going to is going to be something that people can sort of tangibly think, yes, that's what we need more learning of and more things that we can do. So, yeah, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, uh, I was one of those people that lo- I thought I loved school because my mom was a teacher. And the thing that really got me is people kept telling me I'm such a good student and I got A's and, and I, I knew how to pass the tests. But the problem I was ending up with is I would go home at the end of the day and then I wouldn't feel smart because I wasn't able to apply the lessons I was learning. And I think it wasn't really until I became an adult and I actually met the man I would eventually marry. And he taught me what real education is. And that's when everything in my life shifted. And so now I'm kind of on a mission to help kids learn what real education is, not just memorize, regurgitate, pass a test, but actually learn, connect things together, and then apply all those lessons so that you're actually learning things. Yeah, it's so important. And I think it's why... We, we, we talk a lot about community here on the podcast and I think that is because like you say you hear that sort of the regurgitation and the knowledge input but of course schools have to do that because it's the way everything is geared towards it's the way the exams are geared towards 
but the community aspect comes in like I say because as parents you can kind of steer that in a certain way as the business owners and the community at large you can start to say yeah that's great but also you're going to need some of these things as well and I think the more um, young people hear those conversations the more they start to think ah I can understand that, that there's different aspects of learning going on here. Well, I always wanted learning to be fun. So when my husband and I decided that we were going to have kids, I really wanted to homeschool. And the reason I wanted to do that is not only to be able to teach them in a, a different way than I learned, which was, you know, sit down, memorize, regurgitate, but also I wanted to figure out ways to make it more fun. Can we do games? Can we do, you know, whatever? And I knew I would have a lot more control as a homeschooling mom. And so it was kind of a challenge. I had to talk my husband into it a little bit because um, he didn't know anything about homeschooling. And in all honesty, I didn't either. But what I learned is that um, I could take what worked for one kid and teach him that that way. And then the, if the next kid learned completely differently with my two boys, they were completely different personalities. And I could adjust everything I was doing so that both kids could learn the same information in different ways. For example, my my oldest, Devin, he is very um, he's very visually oriented. So if he can see the picture, if he can see how things work, he gets the concept. But my youngest, he has to have movement involved. If there isn't some sort of lab or something physical in his hand, um, it, it can be a real challenge for him to learn, which for some topics is incredibly difficult, like teaching him how to read easy for a visual learner. But when you get somebody that needs movement involved, my, my, my youngest Ethan literally bounced the entire time he was learning how to read. And all I could think of is there's no way he's going to see these words on a page if he's moving that much. And so I had to get real creative. And so I was finding things that he could play with in his hands. And then if his hands were moving, the rest of his body was a lot more still and he could see the words on the page. So we just had to get really creative with how we approach different things so that they could both learn the same lessons. And do you think that really helps? Like you say, you didn't know that much about homeschooling when you started. So that ability to kind of really morph and, and provide what was needed in your circumstances, I guess it was that an, an advantage as opposed to coming through, I've been homeschooled before, I know lots of other people that have done it, and this is the way I think it's going to sort of pan out. I, I know that homeschooling is not for everybody, but I do think that some of the concepts that I was learning doing these things with my kids can work for any parent or any teacher. That's why I think a lot of schools will do a lab in addition to just the regular classroom is so that you get a little bit of that different learning. What I would like to see is more of that instead of it being mostly, you know, sit at your desk and watch the chalkboard. And I would like to see a lot more um, interacting with the lessons. Uh, and I know that's difficult in, in a lot of different topics like history. Um, that's why I think things like museums and field trips are so important. Not only is that more fun for the kids, but they get different kinds of learning. So that if you're not a visual learner, then you actually get the opportunity to learn those same things in a different way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think anything that we can do to kind of to help that in, in terms of this is what we're learning let's work together in terms of how we can best make that work i've had a few conversations now about people i guess they were really driven they, they sort of went to school understood all the things that were happening but didn't quite get it and then had the ability to then go home and learn it in a different way which just seems remarkable to me that you'd want that sort of that extra intention to kind of get off your own off your back and uh, and do it yourself but it's I, th I think when you when you feel maybe stuck because you you kind of get the principles but you're not quite getting it in your way maybe there's just that desire to push through 
And I think we all need a little bit of that self-motivation to know that, hey, I've got to learn this. So let's make it fun. Let's figure out how I can learn it and learn it better. And one of the things that really was key for me is um, my, my best education came after college. And we would go to these educational conferences with people like T. Harv Eker. And he had a very, what I would call experiential learning. Yes, there were things to look at. Yes, there were people that were up on stage talking, but there was also the we're going to do an exercise now and you're going to write down these things. And then they did group exercises and they did partnership exercises. So we had all this interaction, all this movement, all this practicing what we were learning as we were learning it. And that was so incredible to me. I never knew that I was a student a lot like my youngest where I needed motion to even begin to learn the information. And, and my really big aha in that way came when my youngest went to what I, uh, one, a real estate seminar with me. And he's just sitting there and he's, you know, he's scribbling furiously in his notebook. And I'm thinking he's taking all these notes, right? I'm like really proud. I'm thinking, well, this is my kid that needs all this motion and he's taking all these notes and he must be learning a lot. And we get done and I look at his notes and his notes were a whole bunch of drawings with a couple words here and there. And then I, then I was kind of a little angry. I'm thinking, oh, he didn't learn anything. He did nothing but sit there and draw. And then my husband started quizzing him. And all of a sudden, he knew all of the answers. He could tell you exactly what the, the guy that was up in front was talking about and how those concepts relate. And I was shocked. I'm like, you, you didn't even take notes. You just drew pictures. But I realized the motion of his hand drawing those pictures while his allowed his mind to calm down and listen to what the guy was telling him. And so that motion actually allowed him to learn. And what was really cool is I, I went to a different seminar and I'm sitting there and I'm starting to fall asleep because the guy was kind of monotone, but the information was good. He just wasn't a very good presenter. And so I started drawing in the side of my notes and I realized I stayed awake and my mind was focused and I'm like, I am just like my youngest son, but it works. So we find these ways to make it easier for us to learn. Yeah, and and the thing that struck me then was a little bit like the um the memory recall of kind of when you're walking around a room and you associate certain things with certain things that you're happening. I guess the same thing can happen when you're drawing because if your if your mind's then like you say clearer and calmer and I. I'm just presuming here, but you know, this particular drawing and this particular thing, you may well remember those those facts and the information coming in based on what it was that you were doing in that time. And so you can sort of see how those things may well be connected. Yeah, I can. I, when I listen to podcast, because I'll listen to a podcast driving around. Um, so I could be listening to your podcast and I'll hit a certain point in that podcast as we're passing a certain, you know, point of location. And then when my kids start listening to the same one, we get to that same point. I'm like, oh, I remember exactly where I was when he said this. And so I can relate that based on positioning. So it yeah, is yeah, pretty absolutely. cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating, I think. And, and I like the fact that so many people have versions of these things, isn't it? Because like I say, people have different ways of learning, but I think it, it's sort of a spectrum and, and people sort of get the bits that work for them based on their experience and, and their understanding of, of everything that they, that they do. Um, so take us into how that kind of, we're going to homeschool then sort of develops into into what you're doing and helping other people and, and how other people sort of saw what you're able to do and how you were then helping them. So when my real education started outside of college, I was learning about real estate and investing in business. And what I wanted for my kids is to give them a little bit of that, a little bit of financial education, things I didn't have when I was in school. 
And so I literally started from day one and they would listen to the same, you know, uh, CDs at the time. There weren't podcasts back then, but CDs that I was listening to, they would go to the same events I was going to. I just took them with me everywhere. I integrated them into my life. And so they were learning all the same things as me. And all I could think is, man, they're going to be so much better off when they turn 18 than I was. And then I had a five-year-old that decided he wanted to start investing. And he went up to my husband. He said, dad, it's time for me to start investing. What should I invest in? And my husband's looking at this five-year-old and goes, well, invest in what you know. And my five-year-old thinks about that for a moment. And he goes, but dad, all I know are Legos. So my husband told him, figure out a way to invest in Legos. And it took him a couple days, but he figured out Lego retire set. So if he buys one and he hangs on to it, when Lego retires the set, he can sell it for more than he bought it for. So he's like, buy low, sell high. I can do that. And so this five-year-old comes up with this and I was floored. Because, um, you know, you don't expect kids to come up with these creative ideas, but they really don't have the same um, baggage or, or fears or problems that all of us adults do because we've built up all these bad habits. They're starting from scratch. And so once I saw his interest in, you know, doing these different things, we we really just encouraged that, hey, if you want to do it, go do it. You don't have to wait till you're 18. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. We just might have to figure out how we can do all of this. So I ended up with two kids that invest in real estate, even though they're both under 18. And yes, we had to get creative. We had to you know, start a company because nobody asked the age of a company. And that company is what buys the real estate. But in all honesty, that's what I would recommend an adult do as well as a kid. And so it worked out really well. But now people look at us and, and they keep asking us the question, how did you get your kids to do all of this? And really, it comes down to that education. I wanted them to have a good financial background. I wanted them to understand money, understand business, understand investment. And now that they've got those concepts, we're out as a family training other families about all of these same topics because what you're not going to get in a, a normal traditional school system is a good financial education. They might teach you how to make a budget. They might teach you how to balance a checkbook. But they're not going to teach you about investing. They're not going to teach you how to start a business. Um, those are more specialized areas that you really have to seek out if you want it. But if we can start these kids out with general concepts now, how much better are they going to be when they become an adult? And so that was one of our goals, one of the things we wanted to do. It's one of the reasons we wrote our book, The Family Success Triangle, is because all these parents asking us, how did you get your kids to do this? That's not a one-sentence answer. So that book, that book was our answer. It tells about how we raised our kids and what we did differently and the challenges that we came up against that we had to overcome. And what I found really interesting is that book talks about how my, I learned so much teaching my kids that made me a better business person. And I learned so many things running my business that made me a better parent. And so everybody always separates business and family but I really think they're closer than most people would expect. Uh, when we just integrated everything, it worked so much better than me trying to balance. I have plenty of women that run their own business that they're, they're trying to figure out how to balance their family life and their business life. And I just tell them that you're not going to find that balance. It's not a perfect system. It's, it's a little bit like a teeter-totter where you've got business on one side and family on the other. And you feel like you're running back and forth trying to keep it all balanced. And it's so difficult and it wears you out. But if you integrate, if you just pull it all together, it's like sitting in the middle of the teeter-totter and you're perfectly balanced and you have everything you need right there. And so instead of 
you know, keeping it so separate, come home, talk to your kids about what you did right, what you did wrong, what you want to do better tomorrow, what your goals are. Talk about what you're doing. The kids will learn so much from what you're doing. And don't focus on all the negatives. Too many people come home and they want to unload their day and they want to talk about all the things that went wrong. But you need a full spectrum. They need to see everything, the good, the bad, the positive. And they need to know that you can make a goal and go achieve it. That's the conversations that should be happening over the dinner table. Yeah. And I'm curious, did actually being a homeschool family, did that actually help or actually does it not really make any difference? Because like you're saying, you're integrating it from conversations. It's human to human. So even if they have been in school, you would probably still be having these conversations anyway. I would recommend no matter what, families do have those conversations. I mean, homeschooling gave us a lot of freedom. We had freedom of location because we could teach them anywhere. We had freedom of time because it didn't matter if we started at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or noon. As long as we got the education in there, like it didn't matter. So we had you know, freedom in so many different ways. And we were teaching them about financial freedom as we went. But any family, no matter what their circumstances, can have these conversations, even if it's in the evening, even if it's over dinner. But I think we all need to start connecting with our kids on a more adult level so that we can raise them to be the adults we want them to be. And I think, like I say, it it boils down to the same thing. I, I love that's why when you talk about the balance, we often talk here about harmony. Like you say, it's that it never looks the same every day because the life is going to be different in whichever way that happens to be. But it's that human to human, to human connection, isn't it? And like I say, it may be another family. It may be your own children. It may be a member of staff if you are in that traditional school setting. As soon as you see people for the people that they are, then those relationships start to develop. And then those conversations are a much easier fit, I think. And I think we all learn from everyone around us, whether it be a teacher at school, whether it be a neighbor, a friend, a relative, and we need to take advantage of those connections. Some of the things that I love about what we've been doing, traveling and learning as a family, is all of the amazing people we've gotten to meet. I think my kids have learned some incredibly important lessons that have taught them about different cultures, different locations, different histories. Uh, They've really gotten to see a lot more of the world because we had that location and time freedom with homeschooling. But families, no matter what you do, if you're just going on vacation, use that as an educational thing as well. You can have a lot of fun together and they can still be learning things. And so just make everything a learning experience and make it all fun. And in terms of the sorts of training that you're you're doing, I love the range, like I said, from a young person talking about what are you into and and that's just changes the whole concept of everything that you're doing doesn't it if you love what you're doing and and i love the fact that you can do that at any age you know it's about meeting people where they are and that's kind of really is the definition of what you've done so in terms of what you you teach other families now do you give them that spectrum of kind of it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate it could be this type of investing or this understanding or these sorts of concepts which you, you can then integrate like say within the things that you're interested in One of the things we found really worked when we are talking to a group of people is, you know, we tell them, bring your kids and we start off together and we give them an introduction, but then we separate out. My husband will stay and talk to the adults and my two kids and I take the kids into a different room and any adults that want to come with and and hear the kids side of it. But we really put it into the perspective of what it is for those kids. I start out with a whole bunch of questions about what are they like? What are they interested in? So that when we're teaching something, I can relate it to the things that mean something to them. 
once they have that connection to the information, it is so much easier for them to relate to it, for them to understand it, and for them to learn it. And it's a lot more fun for them. So, and, and then at the end, we bring everybody back together again and kind of bring it all together for a close. But, but having that little bit where we can put it in the adult's perspective for the adults and the kid perspective for the, the kids, I think that is key because I really think that has made a huge difference in our communication and our teaching with them. And I guess it brings amazing conversations at the end of that, like you say, because you've got both of those spectrums coming together and having a conversation, both understanding it in, in the environment that they need to, like say, as the adult and as the child. Yes, I agree with that. And I, But I think we all need that a little bit. If we aren't sure how to connect what we're learning to our own life, I think it's very difficult to integrate those lessons. So if we can determine how to do that, how to see it from our own, um, what we want out of our life, then it becomes a much easier learning curve. And you sort of mentioned there about people coming together. Is it very much an in-person thing that you do or is there sort of an online aspect to it as well? We've done a little bit of both. It's harder online to do the separation. Um, in person is so much better. Um, there's a lot when you can feel the energy of the people around you and other kids are getting excited or they start having a, you know, a conversation about something they want to do that, that energy is so much more powerful. So online is fine, but I think the in-person, we, we really, we got away from it when COVID hit. And I really think we need to start bringing it back into that because there's so much more power being together than there ever is just connecting online. And so from a practical standpoint, then the, the families that you're serving, are they very sort of local to you or, or are you moving around and able to deliver it sort of a bit further afield? No, we've been doing a lot of traveling. I think we were gone about half of last year. Um, we've been gone about half of this year so far. But that traveling is what is allowing us to help so many people. It's what, what's allowing us to meet so many amazing people. I wouldn't trade that. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad we're still homeschooling. We have that freedom to be able to travel and do these things. And that I think is what makes the world a little bit better for us. Yeah, I love it. And which comes first? Is it the we're going here because we know this is an event that we want to be providing and that's what guides sort of the direction or are you guiding the direction based on where you want to go and then the events kind of fit around where you happen to be? I believe that things happen for a reason. So when an opportunity comes up for us to go somewhere, I just assume that that's where I need to be. And it's never, the world has never let me down. Every time we go somewhere, it's been a great experience. It's been something that teaches me something and the connections that I'm making, I wouldn't trade for anything. These families have the most amazing children and I am looking forward to seeing what they do as they grow. Um. I think the thing that really I find fascinating, but also sort of um, world affirming in that is the fact that so often we spend so much time doing what we think is right, what someone's told us to do, how we're doing it. And I think when we're in that position to feel like life is working for us and we see everything as an opportunity and we're, we're able to kind of go with it then like I say, that becomes a snowball effect of, of just more and more good experiences, the, the right people you come across, the right conversations you have in the more, the, the more world, the world just supports you. And I, I think it's not necessarily something that people always feel or also necessarily have the, the power to feel like they can do. So it's great to sort of hear someone who not only believes it, but is actually living it on that real practical level. I think a lot of people 
they it's whatever you focus on that really you will get more of. So if you focus on, you know, the, the negative side of things, you're going to get more of the negatives. But if you focus on how everything can be positive, then you're going to get a lot more of that. My, my husband gave a great example to my kids the other day. He said, it's all in how you frame it in your mind. He said, if I asked you, do you want to be stuck in an airplane for, you know, six hours so we can fly to this place and have to deal with the stress of the weather and, you know, air traffic control and, and just so we can go to this educational event? He goes, would you want to go? And the kids are like, no. He goes, but if I told you we get to fly in our own plane on our own time frame, we get to go here, we get to have dinner with these amazing people, would you want to go? And the kids said, well, absolutely. So it's all a matter of how we're looking at the things that happen in our life and everything has its good and it's bad, but we've got to focus on the positive and that's what'll bring us more happiness. Yeah. I love that. And it also reminds me of, of that sense of being able to take it all in, isn't it? Because like you say, this happened, which you perceive to be a positive thing or even a negative thing, but then that frame that framework or that perspective has changed the next day because something else has happened which may be related or unrelated but they start to connect so what seems to be looking very clearly this is you know situation a <laughs> today uh, this is a terrible thing and then like I say uh, the next day the next week or the month back it's like oh well if that hadn't happened then this wouldn't have happened and now this has opened up this whole other thing and so being quite sort of sort of global in in that prospect um, that sort of perspective I think is is something which I guess you get as you get older in, in that kind of maturity and and sort of experience but it, it really fascinates me that because it's something which I sort of see more and more coming up I was asked once what I would what I would go back and change in my life that would make it better but I honestly wouldn't change anything I mean I look back to when we started investing in real estate we literally lived in a warehouse on a, a twin mattress on the on the warehouse floor we had no heat in December um, we didn't have plumbing when we started and we literally lived there and turned this warehouse into a, a home. And the education I got about construction, about how a property goes together, about um, how things work when you're building something, the education was unbelievable. So was it easy living conditions? No. But would I go back and change that and try to make it easier? I wouldn't because the experience I got from doing all of that is what made me who I am today. And I couldn't be helping as many people as I am had I not had those experiences, whether they were easy or not. Yeah, and that, or that, and that. Well, there's another whole podcast, isn't there, about the things being easy or not, or working for you, or beneficial for you, and uh, and those kind of things as well. But I, 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 I sort of love the fact that I can, I can almost hear the conversations that you have with your kids and and the families that you're supporting, because, like you say, all of those things make a difference to to their life now, and and that happened, like I say, pre children, I'm sure, but it, it it's had an impact on them, even though they don't know it. Without a doubt. It's one of the things I wanted them to learn. A little bit of adversity is good for us. It's what makes us stronger. It's what makes us better at solving problems. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, if, you, if you're a level six person and you have a level eight problem, well, that's bad. But if you grow yourself to a level 10 person and you have a level eight problem, well, now you've, you're, you're more than able to handle that problem and, and you won't have any issues with it. So we just have to keep growing ourselves to be stronger and better at solving problems. Friend of the show and previous guest, Seth Perler, is once again launching his Executive Function Online Summit. This is a free event between August the 11th and 13th and you can register now. Just go to educationonfire.com forward slash TFOS. 
Join tens of thousands of compassionate and proactive parents and educators from around the globe in this unique, free, three-day learning event. Educationonfire.com forward slash TEFOS. T-E-F-O-S. And tell me a little bit about sort of the socialization of your children because it seems to me that you're like say when you're putting on these events if if you're constantly having conversations with other children other families and that must be they must have a skill set and an awareness of themselves and a way of integrating with people which is is probably something that many families necessarily don't get to experience their children doing unless they're with sort of friends or people that they know well but the sort of doing it with um newcomers is, is a different situation isn't it It definitely is. We've always had our kids in something that had other kids involved, whether it was gymnastics or swimming or martial arts or scouts. And now they also, because they've spent all this time going to business conferences with us, they're really good at talking to adults. They can also talk to kids their age. Um, They're very interested in helping other kids their age um, or younger, or even a little bit older, learn about investing. They, they started a youth group online that's, it's free, and they meet once a week on Mondays, so at this point, and they're really just teaching these other kids what they've already learned. But instead of coming from another adult, they get it from the kid's perspective because it's a kid teaching them. And it, the conversations that have gone on in these meetings have been unbelievable. There are uh, kids from, I think it's seven different countries that are involved. And so it's been really heartwarming to see all these kids getting together and talking about things that most adults would think is an adult conversation, but the kids have fun with it. And so I think that's wonderful. And I think as soon as you sort of take out the the idea of structure you know like say schooling has to look like this or as a child i have to look like this or when i'm 18 like you say i can start investing because that's what you do then as soon as you get rid of all those barriers and all those sort of perceived ideas preconceived ideas then it's like well it's a no-brainer i'm just gonna say i'm gonna set up a community i'm gonna chat to people across the world and talk to them why would i not but 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 like you say you have to have created that environment for that to even become a thought let alone something that you can practically put into the experience Yeah, a lot of people tell you think outside the box, but I agree with Pete Fortunato and Bill Cook who say, what box? Why have the box there at all? Just get rid of it. You don't need those limitations. You don't even need to know those limitations are there. That's what makes you more creative. Yeah, I love it. And you mentioned earlier on about what a good student you were and how school really worked for you in that kind of traditional academic sense sort of looking back now and also with your sort of hat as a homeschooling mom and and everything that you've done since then is there an education experience or is there a teacher that you remember and it could be good bad or indifferent but certainly with that sort of understanding of ah this is sort of give me a perspective in, in how you wanted to sort of step into that role I've had two favorite teachers that um, really made a difference for me. And the first one was Mrs. Kittle. Um, she tried really hard to give us the, some financial education in, in like fifth grade. And we all had a job in the classroom, whether that was taking out the trash or cleaning off the white, the chalkboard. And we got, we got paid, so to speak, um, which was just numbers on in our checkbook. And we literally kept that and we had bills we had to pay every week. And she was literally trying to teach us some things. And the principal had come in at one point and pulled her out of class in the middle of class and they had a conversation and we never did any more of that financial education again. But I don't know if it's just because she was done with the program or if they told her she wasn't allowed to do that anymore because she was supposed to be teaching math. So um, 
but I really loved her approach. She made everything fun for us. Um, so she, she was very memorable. And the other teacher that really made a difference for me, um, Mr. Winkart saw that I was afraid to talk in front of other kids. And so he recommended that I take acting classes. And because of that, I can now get up in front of groups of people and be able to talk to them and help them. And I'm not afraid anymore because I understand it's not about me. It's all about what I can do to help them. And so that was a huge key lesson. So I was very appreciative he did that for me. Yeah, I love that. And I always love the fact that it's always, or very often, it's about the people that give you something and and that sense of something which takes you into the in, into sort of the next part of your evolution as it were or sort of your growth as, as a young person you know very rarely do I hear someone saying it was I just suddenly clicked how to do two plus two and then my life changed forever <laughs> like I say it's always that kind of you know the experience the emotion the fact that perception idea like you say standing up and, and talking to someone as soon as it's not about you it's about someone else then the whole way you feel about it changes. I mean, as a musician myself, that was a real game changer for me in sort of high profile situations where you're like, my word, you know, your career's on the line here. And as soon as you then see the small person looking over into the orchestra pit, who's there for their sort of once in in a lifetime opportunity to see something amazing happen on stage, you go, it's not about me. It's what they get out of it. And then the whole way that you can be in performance is so different. So I can really relate to that. Yeah, I think uh, I think we really need to focus on like we've got some great teachers that really want to help all the students out there. And I think they really understand that lesson that it's whatever we can give them that makes their life better. So I think we all need to be focused on that. Yeah. And I think so much of that is is often that like we said before that human connection as well as sort of giving the knowledge that they they need to be but just just that practical support and and as i mentioned before about that sort of meeting where they are you know i hear stories sometimes you know that child just needed breakfast because they didn't get that today or they needed the shoulder to cry on because they're, they're they're having a tough time or just needed to sort of be introduced to a different person within the school environment that could help them or it might just be that you know you could see a talent in them which they would have never come across on their own which you can just point them in that direction or reframe something I think what these sorts of conversations do for me is they change that perspective of what your role is around children and so the way you then think about that is going to come across different and therefore that's going to be received different from the other person and then like I say that sense of life is just working for you then I think starts to, to really support that idea What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or indeed, is there a piece of advice you might give your your younger self now looking back? Yes, I agree with Robert Kiyosaki. Everybody always asks him, what, what should they start investing in? And he always says, invest in your own education first. In other words, invest in yourself first. And that, I think, has been key. I believe that we should always be learning. Everything in life is a learning experience, but we don't approach it that way all the time. And I really think if we take the time to learn about anything that we have our interest in, whether that be a musical instrument or investing or business or whatever it might be, I think that's where we need to start. And I guess that changes your perception of what investing is, doesn't it? Because I certainly for me, um, one of the things I did when I went to college is I invested not only my time and, and had a lot of practice and a lot of hours, but I also purchased a van and I also purchased some instruments. And 
it was an investment above and beyond what many students would would be prepared to do but it completely transformed the the my professional career because it gave me opportunities that i wouldn't have had with without it and it's it was something I loved. I could sort of see what it what it meant, and I had support around me to do it. And I think, like I say, that the word investing or investment, like I say, can sort of seem like real estate, or it can seem a preconceived idea. But when it's much more tangible to what you're doing, a little bit like you said with the, the Lego when when you're younger, then all of a sudden it changes that, and it, I guess it it brings it into that sort of your own sphere of what your life's about, and you can see the next step as well as the, the longevity that maybe it's going to give you as well. Well, and one of the things that a lot of kids don't think about is college itself is an investment. If you're going to put your time and effort and money into it, what are you going to get back out of it? And at least here in the States, I've talked to several young people that they're going to college because their parents wanted them to, with no expectation that they're going to use anything that they are learning or doing in that moment. And that's sad to me because they're putting, they're, they're literally getting many college loans just to pay for it all when they're not going to get that investment back out of it. And so I, I get it. If you want to be a, go to school and be a doctor or a lawyer, or you've got you know this plan for your education, but so many kids today just don't. And I would like them to have a more uh, focused goal. And there may be a different way for them to go about it than just going to school to get a degree. Um, there's sometimes other education or things they may need to do or look at that they just don't pay attention to. So I think I think it's too much of uh, what used to work versus what's working now. And I think we need to look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, and I, I guess that the flip side of that is that if you do know you need to go to this university or this college to 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 give you, like say, the skills and maybe the qualifications that you need, I guess having that idea of investment in yourself from those younger age, even if it's a purely financial one, I know that if I do this, it's going to hopefully give me the returns I need to be able to pay for that. Then that's another reason to be really sort of thinking about that sort of earlier on in that sort of family life. Absolutely, and then you're prepared for it when you get there, so it's not all a big surprise. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, as a as a parent of, of of a child who's at university, you know, you know it's coming, but it's there is a moment when that first paycheck starts going through, and and it and it then seems to surprise that even if you knew it was it was on the horizon anyway. Uh, and um, is there a resource you'd like to share? And this can be anything from a podcast, video, book, film, song. It can be personal or professional, but something which has sort of had an impact. And why was that? Oh, I have a lot of favorite songs. I like things that inspire me. Um, there's so many good podcasts out there. I think if I had to recommend to anybody, instead of just listening to music every day, find your favorite podcasts, things like Education on Fire that you can play while you're driving or while you're working in the kitchen or cleaning or doing any of these things that you could be playing music, you can be playing a podcast and you can be learning while you're doing something else. And there's so many good ones out there. Um, as far as books, I like Atlas Shrugged. That was one that made a huge difference for me, not only because it gave me a, a female businesswoman to uh, kind of look towards as far as a role model, um, but it also taught me a lot about the world. Um, some of the things that I felt weren't quite right in it that I couldn't have um, verbalized. And so it made me a lot more conscious of the things that are going on in the world. And I think that was key for me to understand uh, life in general and not quite be so naive as I was as a kid. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing that you mentioned about podcasts there, which which I 
I, I sort of forget as a podcast host, but really enjoy as a podcast listener, is I like stepping into the world of the of the people that I'm listening to. You know, there's the information and the conversations that maybe that you're sharing, but in a way that you never used to get from television or or sort of that sort of real sort of production content, as it were. There's a whole environment that I think the podcasts sort of have, which is much more personal. And whether it's because of the way we listen to them or, or the way that we're able to share information and the way the information is delivered, I don't know. But I think that's like I say, finding the right personality for you as well as the right sort of content for you is something which is is a wonderful thing. And I, I like that. I mean, tomorrow morning I've got an early start when I'm on my my commute to to teach at one of my schools and. The highlight of the day is the kind of getting into the car. It might be early. I might have got myself up to do it, but I know I'm going to spend, you know, 40 minutes with someone who I'm really enjoying listening to who's going to give me something which I not only find valuable, but I can sort of share that time as if they were sort of sat in the car with you. And then when you get there, you could always share some of what you learned with your students and then they can yeah. learn as well. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. Obviously, the acronym FIRE here at Education on FIRE is really important. And by that, I mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What is it that strikes you when you hear those words? Honestly, it reminds me of my husband. He has been my biggest supporter. He has been uh, my my biggest push to be a better person. Um, he is great at giving feedback. He is great at inspiring me to be better and do better and move faster. He has taught me so much about resilience and he absolutely from moment one has empowered me to uh, be my own person and go out and make the world a better place. So just, just before we finish off, tell people where they can find out more about the sorts of things you're doing and obviously if they're a family with that idea of investment as well, where they can, where they can connect. So you can find us on all social media outlets at Real Power family. You can also get more education from our website at clearskytrainer.com, which also includes a link to MIT, the Millionaires in Training, which is my kids' um, uh, weekly meeting where they're teaching other kids about business and investing. Fantastic. And there's uh, we'll have links to these on the show notes as well. So you can click straight through and make sure that you can make those connections. And, and like I say, yeah, start that millionaire training. That's a, That sounds like a, a perfect way to, to support your children and get those conversations started. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.